This is the Lightning Junkies Podcast with your host, Chaz Kryptuson. On this jolt episode of the podcast, we have Ross from Lightning Gifts. We talk about Lightning Gifts, LNURL, the future of the Lightning Network, custodial wallets, and much more. This is the first jolt version of my podcast, which is going to be shorter episodes dedicated to apps or services in the Lightning Network. Since the previous episode of this podcast was an hour long, I wanted to make episodes of the podcast that were much easily digestible without a big time commitment involved. I'm going to start by releasing these twice a month on Friday in order to give myself time to ramp up. My goal is to eventually have these uh, episodes every Friday as well. Just a reminder that this podcast has no sponsors. I use a crowdfunding campaign and tipping in order to bring in revenue for the podcast. Links for those things you can find in the show notes. Without further ado, let's jump into the episode. I would like to go ahead and welcome Ross to the Lightning Junkies podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, just finished work. Uh, so yeah, it's a good day. Sounds good. So let's go ahead and jump in. You know, we'll definitely touch on Lightning Gifts and all that. But before we do that, what's kind of your background? like? Uh, general background, software. I make, um, make software. I'm a software developer. Uh, I've been making front-end web applications for the last five or six years of my life. I've always been pretty interested in being on the interaction, the user interaction layer. Because that's, I think, that's where the most exciting stuff happens. More recently, I got into Lightning development as I saw some opportunities where there was like some user experience sort of uh, deficiencies with the current state of Lightning and Lightning apps. And that's why I decided to make Lightning GIFs. Okay. So before we jump into that, uh, you know, the Lightning GIFs part, tell me how you got into Bitcoin. I got into Bitcoin from a friend in 2017 where he was... He was like investing a little bit here and there and he's, he kept bragging about how much money he was making and like these altcoins. So I'm like a, I'm a reformed shitcoiner. And when I first heard about cryptocurrency, I, and the first cryptocurrency I bought was XRP. I bought XRP in like late 2017. Then that went parabolic at the end of 2017, which was pretty sweet. But then of course I gave all of that back to the market as it came back down from its all-time highs. But I got interested in, but it, it, it kept me interested in the space long enough that I could start looking at, I started looking more closely at Bitcoin. And uh, through that, I started following some people on Bitcoin Twitter and the crypto Twitterverse, I guess. And there was a hackathon, a lightning hackathon that uh, eCurrency Hodler and another guy ran. I so, oh, yeah, that could be pretty cool to participate in. So I started thinking about what kind of stuff I could make. I didn't participate in that hackathon, but I could start, I started thinking about what kind of stuff I could make. And then there was another hackathon late earlier this year, and I jumped into that and made lightning gifts. Okay. So was there anything about Bitcoin and lightning in particular that kind of swayed you from the shitcoins? Yeah. I mean, after you, I think everyone sort of gets to Bitcoin maximalism after you spend enough time in research in this in this space right well yeah absolutely yeah so i mean i was just i didn't really know what i was doing when i first got involved uh with with uh, cripple and um gradually after you started to learn more about the importance of uh hard money um the importance of a distributed ledger and all the stuff that makes bitcoin a superior store of value 
than other cryptocurrencies. That's when it sort of made sense. Okay, so at this uh, hackathon, you uh, made Lightning Gifts. Why not uh, tell the listeners what Lightning Gifts is? Yeah, sure. So Lightning Gifts solves one of the problems or that I found with Lightning is that if you wanted to give someone uh, some Bitcoin over the Lightning network, you have to first go through the process of getting them to get a Lightning wallet, then getting them to send you an invoice, and then you to pay that invoice. There's no just easy way to just give someone some Bitcoin over the Lightning network. So Lightning Gifts was just created to solve that simple problem of just being able to give someone a URL that would have that when the recipient went to that URL, they could redeem the Bitcoin that you gave them over the Lightning network. It was good for scenarios where you wanted to give someone Bitcoin over LN and they didn't have a Lightning wallet set up yet. They could just figure that out in their own time and then they could redeem that when they had a chance. Do you see very good um, kind of use cases for this other than the ones you've already kind of listed out? Like, you know, what are some strong examples of how you see people using this? Well, the interesting thing is I... After releasing it, I got a lot of attention from the Lightning Dev community and a lot of other developers started reaching out to me about other cool stuff that I could add to it. First, that was being was uh, using LNURL. One of the issues that we had with, or I had with uh, Lightning Gifts was when someone wants to withdraw the Bitcoin over the Lightning from Lightning Gifts, they have to open up their wallet, they have to create an invoice for the exact amount of the gift. And then they have to copy that, then create that, then copy that and paste it into the Lightning Gifts website. So a guy called Fiat Jaff reached out to me about uh, something called LNURL. And he said, hey, if you put this in your Lightning app, in Lightning Gifts, your users can just scan a QR code and it will complete the withdrawal process for them automatically. They don't have to copy an invoice uh, and do any of that sort of hassle stuff. So after that, I started integrating uh, Lightning URL. That sort of opened up a new rabbit hole for me into like the Lightning URL universe. And I've gotten pretty involved in that since. As well as other guys reached out to me about using Lightning Gifts as an API for their own applications, which has been pretty exciting. Got it. So do you see this kind of being more something that, you know, other developers might end up using? Or do you see it much more of a kind of user type product? I, I work on Lightning gifts in my spare time as a sort of hobby for it to be like something that achieves uh, massive user adoption then i've got to spend a lot more time doing marketing kind of stuff which isn't really super interesting to me as a software developer i think lightning gifts probably would just be a way is a way for me to sort of create something that other developers can use but also for me to familiarize myself with the lightning network and building on the lightning network and then sort of seeing other opportunities for cool things that I could build on the Lightning Network. Where do you see the uh, kind of future for Lightning Gifts? You mean, is it essentially kind of like a done project or do you see kind of adding, you know, even more stuff after, you know, adding a LN URL? Yeah, I mean, most recently I've released an API for it. And so the API docs are there, people to build stuff on top of it. I'm going to release a new feature to be able to add a recipient name and, and like customization to the gifts, I guess. But yeah, I think it's kind of a mature stage product. It's there if people want to use it. To then go forward and to like try and get more people to use it, I've got to do marketing. Yeah, that's not really right up my my alley in terms of skill set and not really my uh, interest. Yeah, I definitely understand. It's, you know, marketing is not really that that fun of a thing when you're in, in for the technology. Do you actually make a profit off of Lightning Gifts and maybe even in a small nominal way? Not financially. 
not financially. I benefit from it in that it creates opportunities, I guess, for me to, if I wanted to like apply to work in a lightning company, then I can utilize lightning gifts as a way to say, hey, I've worked with this stuff before. But in terms of like profit from the actual creation and uh, redemption of gifts, no, I don't, I don't take any fees. So there's no way for me to generate revenue. Got it. Okay. You know, al- along those same lines, would you say that you have any other kind of lightning projects in mind, you know, on the starting block a little bit? Yeah. So I guess by working, I told you a bit about lightning URL. I mean, and that's been pretty fun to get involved with. It's only a protocol. So it's a protocol, so it's not really an application, but it's just, it's been good to get involved with the guys that are working on that and sort of find my and how I can sort of help with them. What's funny is I'm probably doing, even though I told you that I don't really like doing marketing, I'm, I'm actually putting a lot of effort or at least a little bit of effort into marketing LNURL more so than I probably am of uh, Lightning Gifts. Why is that? I think LNURL is really, really interesting because it's, it's the same kind of thing as uh, Lightning Gifts. It solves a problem or a deficiency uh, in user experience when using the Lightning Network. And so I'd hope that, and I guess there's more work to be done on it versus Lightning Gifts, there's kind of no more work to be done on it. With Lightning URL, there's only BLW and Blue Wallet which imp- and uh, Lightning TX bot, which implement LNURL. So I guess my, I'm, I'm aspiring by working with uh, the LNURL guys, I'm aspiring to maybe get adoption with the more, the larger wallets like Breeze, Zap, and who else? Yeah, Async maybe. Got it. Okay. So I, you know, thought maybe we'll kind of go a little bit more broad now if, if, if you don't mind here and kind of just talk about Lightning Network in general. Do you see there being any kind of uh, challenges in, in developing on the Lightning Network? Definitely. So I built Lightning Gifts using something called OpenNote. Are you familiar with OpenNote? Yeah, one of my previous guest was the uh, one of the main people from uh, OpenNode. Yeah, right. Great. So OpenNode was really good for me to start building on Lightning without setting, without having to set up my own node, get that running full time because you'd have to get a server running that full time. And I'm, I come from like a front end development background. So that stuff isn't necessarily my expertise. It's a bit more difficult for me to learn that stuff. So OpenNode was really good to get started. And I think that's one of the things that probably shakes off a lot of people that might consider building on the Lightning Network is sort of uh, out of the box tool sets to start building and working and making uh, invoices and payments with the Lightning Network. But now that OpenNode's doing it, it's pretty sweet. The only issue is they're now asking for um, KYC, which is a little, yeah, a little creepy. Yeah, we definitely touched on that um, on the uh, Rui Gomez podcast. Kind of dig into that a little bit. Did you have any thoughts of kind of working more more directly, you know, spinning up an LND node, doing more, getting rid of OpenNode in that sense, or maybe switching over to BTC Pay server or something like that? Yeah, I'll look into switching into my own node. Issue is, as I live in... Um, Japan and on an island called Okinawa and it's prone to typhoons right now. So one of the issues that I have with using my personal node that's hosted on my network at home is that there's a good chance like sometime this year or and plenty I'm sure anyone else that runs their own node from home is that like your your node will you'll lose power and you'll or you'll lose internet access. All of a sudden your service no longer works, right? It's kind of scary for a software engine for for an app developer is that you know, for your service to stop working all of a sudden. So I have to sort of consider how I'm going to 
find like a nice service that's going to be online for all the time without having to pay a serious like a even though it wouldn't cost that much to host like a lightning node developers are pretty stingy so paying anything it sucks so finding like a nice cheap lnd node would be great just to throw it out there the one that the btc pay server kind of was set up with is one called luna node yeah. I had written up a blog kind of going into that as well. If you know you want to check that out, yeah, that's like seven bucks a month, right? Yeah, like the one that I was doing was about ten bucks a month. Yeah, I mean that'd be cool. One thing uh, I was speaking to the Radar Ion guys the other day, and they were talking about something called Radar Deploy, which is going to be kind of like a hosted node service that'll enable you to use like a a communal Lightning node with a lot of other people that also use that, and then so you don't have to spin up your own and maintain your own uh, Lightning uh, node. And there's also that I forgot to mention that like you have if you do spin up your own Lightning node, then you've then you've then got to go through the hassle of maintaining channels and liquidity, which is uh, you know it's a bit of a full time job if like you have if it's an active service, right? True. So I mean, uh, I definitely I run my own routing node, and yes, I can. It's not super fun having to kind of uh, figure these things out on the fly. Sometimes just not knowing what the hell is going on is not the the most fun when you have some amount of yeah. money on there. And then you got to like make sure you're not losing money via fees, right? Um, so the like the LN big guy lost like what through three BTC by not adjusting his fees to the to the right like three Bitcoin total I think for, like not adjusting his fees which is pretty scary. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a lot of uh, you know we're still being uh, reckless I guess yeah. right. So but kind of moving on like a little bit. I mean we're on the same topic, but I always like to kind of ask this question now. Uh, do you think that there's any reasons to be skeptical of using the Lightning Network overall? Skeptical of using the Lightning Network like a common criticism of the Lightning. Network network is the stuff that we're talking about right now that like oh it's a hassle to maintain a node oh it's like difficult to there's still like these user experience deficiencies and like those are those are very valid concerns i think but you also have to consider like if you go if you wind the clock back maybe like 20 30 years ago you think about how much of a hassle it would have been uh, a computer operator to go to someone else's website or to download files. They'd have to establish a connection. They'd have to learn, and, and it'd be a much and the, the protocols involved with that meant that you have to do things very manually, kind of like how we currently do that in the Lightning Network. So whilst I think there are some deficiencies, like there are plenty of deficiencies and pain points in the Lightning Network right now, I think that there's a lot of people that are very interested in trying to figure out those and fix those deficiencies so that by two, three, five years down the track, it's going to be as seamless as using the internet is today compared to how using the internet was you know, 20, 30 years ago. Do you think that people that might suggest using a custodial wallet like Wallet Satoshi or blue wallet or is that a uh, worthwhile kind of trade-off for the privacy and other potential uh, things you give up there great question great question so you've probably also heard of breeze right sure and they and they say so what they're a non-custodial wallet and they also give you and when, when you sign up to using their application they'll give you a channel immediately to their node uh, inbound liquidity so that you can start sending and receiving payments immediately. Now, it costs them 10 BTC to maintain that functionality. But if you think about it, it's kind of like how, you know how if like you'll use maybe Cash App, 
you'll get like $5 if you sign up with Cash App or if you refer a friend. Those are customer acquisition costs that other applications or venture funded applications have become well acquainted with. I think what Breeze is doing is like the Bitcoin or the Lightning Network version of customer acquisition costs. They're putting 10 BTC of that they could um, be storing on their own and they're risking that 10 BTC. Of course, they're not going to lose all of it, but they're risking that for the sake of providing a seamless user experience. So the idea that we have to use custodial, that we have to use custodial wallets might be a little flawed. Okay, I definitely agree with you there. Something that I kind of riff on on the podcast pretty often, reason why I started the podcast, to be honest, is the kind of premise of skipping over using Bitcoin entirely and having a, a newbie start using the Lightning Network as their you know first experience with Bitcoin, you know, start that way. Do you have any kind of opinion on that? Well, it depends. Uh, do you want them to just like start using it as a, a medium of exchange or do you want to teach them about Bitcoin, right? Do you want to teach them why we're using Bitcoin and why it's important to use Bitcoin? If you want to teach them why it's important to use Bitcoin, the, some of the basic parts of it, I guess, you'd probably want to get them started with the green wallet, right? So that at least they which does a pretty good job of educating people about on-chain transactions. Um, but if you just want them to start using as a monet- as a unit of uh, exchange, then um, yeah, straight to a Lightning wallet, definitely. Well, I guess the uh, premise for you know this idea at all, I'm not sure if I ever really talked about this directly, I think I've alluded to it, is the I've definitely tried to get my friends and people that I know in my life kind of involved in Bitcoin. I'm not sure how much you've, you've tried to do this, but um, people generally don't care You know, you can talk about it for hours, try to lay out all the great arguments, but unless they already care to begin with, you're not going to somehow trick them into caring about it. They're just going to just ignore you and it's just going to be too much for them. But I I found that if you kind of connect a direct real world advantage to talking about it, they're much more likely to at least hear you out somewhat. Kind of had some progress with this in like 2015, getting, you know, if you sign up for this app, you know, we both get $10 Mm -hmm. sort of thing, kind of bribing them into kind of caring Mm -hmm. about it for a second. Kind of the premise, I guess, here is, you know, there's projects like Fold, there's projects like BitRefill, Moon, others, you know, Lightning Pizza. That might give you a kind of a, a discount for doing something you might yeah. already want to do. So I could pitch it to someone, hey, you know, use Fold, use Lightning Pizza along this Lightning wallet. And, you know, you could save 5% and they might actually care at that point. Yeah, if, it's, if they're going to save money, people will be interested, right? Uh, the way that I talk about it to... Um people that I think would potentially would be interested is I talk about, um, I guess, inflation, at least among my peers in Australia, there's definitely been like, you can see that things have started to cost more. And just like the last, in just maybe two years, there's the price of things has slightly increased enough that it's noticeable. And that's because the Australian dollar is like losing value against the, the US dollar and the, the Reserve Bank of Australia is printing more and more money, right? So when when I when you can sort of describe to them, hey, that like, you know, the money that you worked for two years ago, like the say if you were getting paid like fifty bucks an hour two years ago, that's you're actually only getting you're actually only getting paid forty or forty-five bucks an hour then. But if you use Bitcoin, then you can protect the value of the time that you invested into doing that. So I sort of, I would go along that tangent before I'd start doing like the, you can save money kind of thing. Got it. I guess just in my experience, a lot of people tune out a lot faster when I start talking about economic stuff. Yeah. 
a lot of people don't even like notice it and a lot of people don't think about it because like for generations we haven't had to we've just sort of presumed that like money is and the and the banks and the the, are you know going to work in our best interests but over uh, if you look at things in a long enough period of time then you sort of see that you know we're taking it where the general public takes it pretty badly you know have you gotten in anyone into bitcoin you said that your friend got you into it in 2017 have you uh done the same a favor for anyone else uh yeah a couple of my close friends they they muck around with cryptocurrency investing um uh yeah they but like at the end of the day like i don't want to give my friends financial advice so i don't the only time they really talk to me about it is when like their favorite media news websites talk a bit about bitcoin like when bitcoin went up to like 1400 or 14000 us dollars suddenly i started getting plenty of messages from all my friends like oh yeah should i buy bitcoin right now like, oh, probably not man if it just did went parabolic again you probably want to hold back a bit did you buy any at 3k and they're like oh why would i buy it at 3k <laughs> that's dumb <laughs> yeah dude right <laughs> so i mean i i generally don't talk about financial things with my friends period like they ask me the same questions and I'd say, no, I'm not going to give you my opinion. Sorry. Figure it out on your own if you really want to go there. I, I like the tech, you know, I, I really like to talk, talk about the technology. That's fun. You know, that's what ends up having the most kind of longevity and interest for me. Because, of course, 2017 was exciting because, you know, it's pumping and, you know, woohoo. But um, what what really keeps my interest over time is, you know, the actual technology, yeah. you know, as as cliche as that might sound, I guess, but do you kind of feel the same way maybe that the more interesting stuff is the technology itself? Definitely. Uh, And to speak to that, I can probably have, there's probably one or two friends that I can always talk to about like, or I can, I can always have a good debate about like what which one will be around uh, in the future. Like the one of my friends is pretty into Ethereum. He's another software developer. So I'm always able to like, you know, riff on him about what he thinks He's very he's very bearish on Bitcoin and bullish on Ethereum, so we always get into a nice, interesting debate about which one will be will be around in ten years time. Got it. I'm going to decline kind of going into the uh, the Ethereum topic on this particular podcast. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, what do you find most encouraging about the Lightning Network? All right, so I tell you what's really cool about the Lightning Network that you probably is the amount of people. The amount of developers and people that are interested and hyped for the Lightning Network and spending their own time, their own personal time to understand the Lightning Network, to build on the Lightning Network and to shield the Lightning Network. I mean, these people are all doing it. One thing that a lot of, a lot of people have to have in common is they're all doing it for free. They're not they're not paid to do this. Yet everyone seems to be has come to the conclusion that Bitcoin is the crypto is the currency of the future and Lightning Network is the net is the layer two solution that's going to solve Bitcoin's scaling problem. And there's plenty of people that are just working on it because they they believe that and they think that's important. Whereas you look at like the Ethereum sort of developer community, say recently in um in Osaka there was uh there's the Ethereum DevCon, right? Everyone at that DevCon is paid to be there. Everyone is working for an Ethereum company that, that got money from the Ethereum Foundation or some other VC. There's probably not many people at that convention that are working on Ethereum because they're genuinely uh, as like a side project or because they're genuinely interested in it because they're interested, they're working on it because they have a financial incentive to work on it. And that's one thing that most of all the other crypto that only Bitcoin has is that 
people are working on it because they're genuinely interested in it. So I'll tell you about um, a game called Heroes of Might and Magic. A game called, so Heroes of Might and Magic used to be a really popular game early, like late 2000s. It went up to one, two, three, four, five, Heroes of Might and Magic 5. And then after five, the maker of it just made some really shitty decisions with like the, how the game worked and tried to make it more e- accessible to people and made the Heroes of Might and Magic 6, 7, and 8, but they all really suck. The enthusiasts of Heroes of Might and Magic, they got the source code of Might and Magic 5 and they kept working on that. And there's still an active community of Heroes of Might and Magic 5. And I think that's the... In- the important story that you can get from that is the community chooses and the developers sort of choose what's going to be good. Even if there's no financial incentive, that ends up being the standard. So yeah, that's very interesting kind of a little way to prove your point there. Are you attending the Lightning Network conference? Yes. Yeah, I'll be there. So like, I feel like that kind of connects your point there. That's, it seems to me that there's going to be a good amount of people that would, uh, kind of fit that description of people that are just very passionate about the lightning network, but exactly. may not be getting uh, paid for it. Yeah, there's plenty of people. There's probably most of the people that are going to be at that convention don't get paid to work on lightning stuff. They probably work on lightning stuff on like weekends and evenings and they're going to pay to like, I mean, I'm, I'm living in Japan, so I'm sure there's plenty of other people that are you know going to fly themselves out of the country just to go attend and like talk about lightning stuff because they're that interested in it i think that's a lot of other uh, cryptocurrency communities don't can't say they have that yeah honestly i stopped looking at ethereum in 2017 so i only time i see any ethereum things kind of on my twitter is when other people are arguing with ethereum people <laughs> kind of moving on a little bit here is there any particular app other than your own on the lightning network that you're most excited about and, and maybe besides the ln url that you already mentioned oh really i can't mention ln url again you already did, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, other one that I'm really excited for on the Lightning Network, I'd say Breeze. Okay. I think that they're that the movement that they the idea that they had to start offering inbound liquidity and opening a channel automatically and to be able to maintain the custody over the node to not make it custodial is really important. I think that's a and that's going to probably force a lot of all the other wallets to have to offer the same facilitate the same functionality. It's I think it levels up the playing field, if you will. Got it. Do you stay much on the kind of future developments of the Lightning Network? Yeah, yeah. I've I've been pretty into like, I'm always interested in like what the Lightning Labs guys are producing and the uh, C-Lightning guys are producing. It's just, um, it's unfortunate. Like you'll see like a pull request, I think a pull request for Sphinx Send uh, got merged into LND like a long time ago, but it's still not a feature yet. You can only enable it by for adding a flag to your LND deployment. So it's kind of, I sort of got a little bit disconnected by that because the, the things that like might get released only actually start getting used on mainnet months after they get merged in. Got it. Is there any particular technology other than Sphinx slash Keysend feature that you're talking about? Yeah, uh, HODL invoices are definitely extremely cool. Last time I spoke to Alex Bosworth, he was talking about, I don't know if I'm supposed to say it, but he was talking about uh, multi-node management. So you have fallovers. In that situation that I described to you earlier about, say, if the power at my house went out, right, and then my node was offline, I could have a multi-node setup so if I was a business relying on receiving payments through my Lightning node, then I would 
then there would be a fallback node if my primary node went offline, which should be which is really cool because it may, I guess it, it makes Lightning Network more like the payment services that people are already used to with PayPal and and uh, Stripe. Could you let me know what a HODL in- invoice is? HODL invoices are really cool. So it's an invoice that someone pays, but they don't actually transfer the satoshi over to the recipient until the recipient presses another callback on that invoice. And what that facilitates is something like uh, refunds over the Lightning Network. It adds less finality to transactions. So if I buy like a jacket off a website, they could, and say we're all we're living in Lightning universe now, right? I buy a jacket over the Lightning Network and they give me, a, instead of paying a regular LNBC invoice, they give me a HODL invoice. And if I got the jacket, the jacket was delivered and I didn't really like it that much, there was a way for me for them to cancel the transaction and me to send back the jacket without having to p- perform a second transaction of them refunding me the satoshi and i think that can be the hodl invoice can then be applied to more interesting kind of use cases that we haven't really figured out yet that's just like a merchant uh, seller buyer kind of example in that case but hodl invoices could use to be facilitate transactions that we haven't even thought of yet in regular in the regular sort of commerce that we have in the fiat world okay do you think the uh, lightning network is going to be the the way that bitcoin actually scales definitely yeah it is it seems like 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 i said about like the developer community uh has been extremely it's just it's going like uh all full steam ahead after async got eight million today from the french government definitely it looks like it's uh, it's looking up here. It's looking up. No one's really found a major deficiency, and even if there are deficiencies, like everyone's just you know scrambling to cover those deficiencies and offering up like their free time to be able to make services that cover that. And yeah, I think so. I think it's really positive. Yeah. All right. And then one of my final questions is, where do you see the Lightning Network going in the future, or maybe where do you hope it goes? Uh, maybe it becomes the de facto way that we deal with Bitcoin. Maybe on-chain transactions becomes a thing of the past, a thing uh, that that we no longer need to do after the Lightning Networks proliferates. It might become the standard way to transfer Bitcoin or like everyday amounts of Bitcoin, right? For people like you and me. For people that want to move like massive amounts of Bitcoin, then yeah, sure, you they might use the on-chain network. Yeah, it might just be the de facto standard for transferring Bitcoin, which would be really cool. All right. Do you want to go ahead and share, you know, how they, uh, how the listeners can find you and the Lightning Gifts uh, project? Yeah, sure. So you can try out Lightning Gifts at www.lightning.gifts. Create a gift, pass it to one of your friends, uh, or you can, yeah, muck around with the API. You can request API access from that URL as well. And then if you want to follow me and my shit posting, uh, I'm on Twitter at babe underscore code. That's spelt as B A E double B underscore code. That's got a picture of a pig. If you, if you see the picture of the pig, you know, you got the right one. Got it. Well, I really appreciate you uh, joining me on the lightning junkies podcast, Ross. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Chaz. That is the first Jolt episode in the can. What did you think? Did you learn anything? Are you going to go try out Lightning Gifts? If you did learn anything, I would highly encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on whatever podcast service you might use. I'd also ask that you chip into my crowdfunding campaign, crowdfund.lightningjunkies.net. 
or you can tip me on tipping.me forward slash at sign LN junkies, or you can tip me on bottle pay btl.2 forward slash at sign LN junkies. The next episode of the full-length podcast will be released on Monday, and then I'll be heading to the Lightning Network Conference in Berlin. I do have an interview scheduled from the Lightning Network Conference, my first in-person interview, so we'll see how that ends up going. For now, we'll see you on the Lightning Network. Lightning Network.